0: Welcome to the High Performance Mindset Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Cindera Kampoff. And thank you so much for joining me for episode 596. I'm the founder of the Mentally Strong Institute, where we help purpose-driven leaders and athletes play big and achieve their most audacious goals. So to start 2024 with a bang, I'm gonna invite you to sign up for a free coaching call with one of my team members at freementalbreakthroughcall.com. It's free, no strings attached, just to continue to help you think like a high performer and experience a breakthrough, a moment of clarity. If you want to achieve your goals quicker, up-level your confidence, and increase your influence, check out freementalbreakthroughcall.com to sign up there for your free Mental Breakthrough Call. Now today, I have Mimi Brown on the podcast. I love Mimi's energy and knowledge, and I can't wait for you to hear it as well. She's a dynamic communicator and leadership expert known for her ability to inspire and empower individuals and organizations. And you'll be able to tell that from this interview. She has over 15 years of experience in coaching, consulting, and training, and is the CEO of Amp Up Success. She's a sought-after speaker, author, and media personality. She's authored three books on leadership and communication as well as sales, which we focus in on during this conversation. And she's been recognized as Michigan's Elite 40 Under 40 and Michigan's Meeting and Events Magazine's Best Speaker of 2020. And you'll know why after listening to this podcast. In this interview, Mimi and I talk about how to own your swag, the mindset shift to overcome sales blocks five keys to overcoming the toughest sales objections with ease, the single most important question that you need to ask when a client reaches out, and how authentically to project your value more often. If you'd like to see the full show notes and description of this podcast, you can head over to cindracampoff.com slash 596 for episode 596. Again, cindracampoff.com slash 596. All right. Without further ado, let's bring on the amazing, energetic Mimi Brown. Mimi Brown, I'm so excited to talk to you today. It's going to be an awesome interview and I can't wait to just feel your energy today. So thank you so much for joining us on the High Performance Mindset Podcast.
1: Well, thank you, Sandra. It is always a pleasure to chat with you.
0: It's going to be fun. And just to get us started, tell us what you're most passionate about so people really get to understand you and your heart.
1: Yeah, so I'm most passionate about helping people be the very best version of themselves. Um, When I was 19 years old, I saw my very first motivational speaker. His name was Dr. Joe Martin. And I was running camera at my college TV station. And I was so mesmerized by him that I dropped the camera. And after I got done being fired and yelled it, (laughs) uh, I walked up to him and I said, oh my God, this is the thing. This is what you allow people to do. And, uh, I've been speaking forever and he said, I said, may I have your autograph? And he said, no. And I said, excuse me. <laughs> and he said, I want your autograph. Cause you're going to do this one day. Oh, and wow. <laughs> to have someone touch your life like that. I understood in that moment, the power of helping people be the very best versions of themselves. And so that became my mission from 19 until now.
0: And I love that it was that conversation that helped you realize that it's something that you could do. And now now you're doing it and crushing it and owning it.
1: Absolutely. And you just never know. People, we don't often think about one one-time interactions with people, but that can literally set the pace for the rest of someone's life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So today we're going to start with talking about owning your swag. And I think this is such a powerful idea because- I know in my own self, right, confidence is one of the strongest predictors of our own performance. And when I think about owning your swag, that means to me, you know, like owning who I am and uh, my gifts and my value. And I just think that's so important for everyone who's listening because it's we are our own worst critic, which you and I were talking about before we hit record. So tell us in your opinion what own your swag means and what the benefit of
1: that is. So owning your swag is the courage and confidence to unapologetically and authentically be who you are. And what I subscribe to is when you own your swag, the world and opportunities open up for you. It's the sense of authenticity of just saying world here I am with all of my glory but all of my jagged edges at the same time. Hmm. And it's those things that it's those things that make us who we are and I really Believe that when we step into who we are and own, just own the juiciness of, and the deliciousness that makes us, us, we give other people permission to do the same.
0: Amen. I completely agree. When I think about times where I'm vulnerable, it allows people to also be vulnerable. And when times where I'm courageous, it allows other people to do that. When you speak on this on stage, what do you what do you see as like the benefits? How does really owning your swag help other people as I'm thinking about people who are listening and right why they should continue to own their swag or do it even more often?
1: Well, especially when I speak to leaders and they step into that space, people want to follow someone who has confidence and competence and our ability to be able to showcase that in a way that isn't bravado, right? It isn't Mm -hmm. overdone, but it's this this quiet self-assuredness that we have that we are headed in the right direction, making the right decisions, Uh, moving forward with vision and clarity and people want to follow folks like that. And often from stage, I'll say, you know, the person that has swag, you might not have been able to put your finger on what to call it, but it's the way they walk. It's the way they talk. It's the way they carry themselves. And it's not just the external part that you see from um, because swag is short for swagger, right? The, the way you walk, you talk, but it's this internal silent confidence that you have that just exudes from every pore of your body. Mm -hmm. How do you think people can develop that and grow that? Part of it is, and this is what I talk about in my keynote, is taking inventory. And uh, I use a story example, Sandra, where I worked in a grocery store. And I know you you live in good old Minnesota. I lived in Minnesota for a few years in the Minneapolis area. And I used to um, run a grocery store. And I was an assistant manager of this grocery store. And one day <clears throat> the owner comes in or we had a new manager come in. And he said, Mimi, it's time to do inventory. I had no experience in retail. And I was like, inventory, He said, yeah, get your grubbiest clothes on because it's about to go down. Now, <laughs> I don't know about you, Sandra, but when someone says it's about to go down, I was a little afraid. <laughs> so, <laughs> What's going down? <laughs> right. I'm like, oh, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for this, but he started to explain what inventory meant, which is, you know, literally counting everything in the store. That you have to sell so you know what's of value to your customers and then he also talked about shrinkage which is when people steal and a lot of times you have internal shrinkage and so this concept of inventory and shrinkage relates to to folks in either in high performance and in leadership because when was the last time you took inventory of what made you great mm. often focusing on our weaknesses the things that we don't do well And as Donald Clifton said, we typically ask the wrong question. Instead of asking what's wrong with people, we need to ask what's right with people, because you're going to get more by focusing in on the things that you can kick butt at. And so um, I have people take inventory. What are the successes? And I use SWAG as that acronym. What are those successes that you've had? Uh, What are the things, the wisdom, so uh, the education, the life experiences, the um, the civic involvement, maybe you were part of a fraternity, maybe you got knowledge from your parents that you've carried down. And then what are the activities that put you in flow? that give you joy mm. because there's a lot to be said about you. Being, and there's actually research around the power yeah. of being in flow. And I know athletes know that all the time too, right? When you're in that, some people call it the zone, but they give you energy. And then lastly what are your gifts what are those natural talents and strengths that you've cultivated that typically we take for granted we think doesn't everyone know how to uh analyze a spreadsheet like no one's business by the way you don't want me doing that but <laughs> the gift of gab being able to get up and talk in front of folks communication it's one of my one of my gifts it's why I get to do the work I get to do
0: yeah i love that swag Uh, successes, wisdom, activities that get you in the flow, and then gifts that are natural to you. And I think people can do that just as they're listening right now, right? Like, list them out. And I think you're right that we always, you know, there's a great book I I read recently by Dan Sullivan and um, Ben Hardy called The Gap and the Gain, Mm -hmm. that we tend to measure our success based on like the gap, where, where are we now? Where do we want to be? And that can be really frustrating for us. Whereas like, Hey, how can we measure it based on the gain? What have we gained? What have we, have we grown in? And I think it's our natural tendency as humans to think about what we don't have instead of what we do have. And you're right. Like, um, I love that success. I like the wisdom part too. It's like, what, what have you learned along your journey? 100%.
1: And and Sandra, when you talked about the gap in the gain piece, we just, we don't, we don't take the time to just even show gratitude for where we are. Um, One of the activities I do at the beginning of the year, and I'm a big vision board person. um, And so I get set on what I want the year to look like or the coming year. And I think big Oprah said, create the grandest, largest vision for your life because you become, you become what you think you are. Um, But I also talk about what was the successes from the previous year. And I have a joy meter and a shout out to Kim Becking, who's one of my mastermind members. She's also an amazing motivational speaker who speaks on resiliency. Um, but she has us do this joy meter activity. What brought you joy during the year? What pumped you up? What clients did you love being in front of? And then I focus on how do I get more of that? And I think it's the same thing with swag. Like when I start thinking about those experiences, how do I dive further into the things that made me successful? How do I dig deeper into the activities that put me in the flow? How do I put my space in, myself in the space to get more wisdom? And then how do I continue to actualize those gifts that I have and those talents?
0: I think think owning your swag and the, the acronym that you have really takes a lot of reflection and time. And so many times we're just kind of like in our tasks, trying to get things done instead of really thinking deliberately, where do I want to go? Who do I want to become more of? And I love the idea of like doubling down on those successes and the wisdom and, and having really getting understanding what that joy meter is. How could, we, how could we do the joy meter for ourselves? Can you tell us yeah. that a little bit more how we might do that? Because this is great to do that at the beginning of this year.
1: Oh, absolutely. So you just take inventory or you think through what are the people, the experiences and the places that I've done, that I've been or interacted with that really have brought me joy, that puts a smile on my face. Um, And it takes some reflection, like we do this every year at this time of year. And what I found to be helpful is um, I'll even throw a note in my iPhone and just say joy meter. Um, Mm -hmm. and what made me just smile off the charts? Where did I feel that warmth there? Mm -hmm. Or where did I feel like I was in that zone space where I was around the people who love and support me or even clients? Like, I'm sure you're like that. I have clients I love to work with and others. I want to upgrade them to a different role in my life, but (laughs) maybe downgrade them, but just making it. So the people, the places and the experiences that I've had that really bring me joy.
0: You know, sometimes maybe people ask me, you know, like, Cinder, you're so passionate about what you do. And I, I am. And I think it comes from my own life experiences and what I've struggled with over time. But as I'm listening to you, one of the things that I have done a lot of in the last six, seven years is like, think about the things that I love doing and then try to do more of that. And that's what I'm hearing in that joy meter is like, take a step back. What do you love doing? What gives you more joy? How can you do more of that this year in 2024?
1: Yeah. And a lot of times it's not the things, right. It's not the, the going out to buy more things. It's the experiences. Um, and I've been a big person as of late, like I am, I'm a big gift giver, but I love to give experiences like for my parents. Right. So Mm -hmm. those memories last a lifetime more than what a trinket or an item will, like they uh, they just celebrated last year, their 40th wedding anniversary. And they had up in a hot air balloon. And my mother went Went all over our county, and then landed with a nice like champagne toast. But she'll remember that forever, and that's that memory, um, and that really brought her joy, even though she was terrified. <laughs> it brought it brought her joy.
0: That sounds really cool. Hi, this is Sandra Campoff, and thanks for listening to the High Performance Mindset. Did you know that the ideas we share in the show are things we actually specialize in implementing? If you want to become mentally stronger. Lead your team more effectively and get to your goals quicker. Visit com to sign up for your free mental breakthrough call with one of our certified coaches. Again, that's com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. Well, one of the things in your keynote you talk about is like how people can authentically project their value and their contribution and expertise so other people take notice. And I thought that was a really uh, cool thing that you talk about because I think about how what gets in the way of people owning their swag and how people don't authentically really, um, they don't want to brag. So tell us a little bit about how we can do that in terms of projecting our value and contribution.
1: Well, one of the pieces is doing what I, so once you do your inventory, then I teach people how to communicate their value. And that is typically done with what I call a 30 second commercial. And it's one of the easiest, or I should say one of the most simplest things for you to do, but it's not always easy. And it's okay. crap. When you introduce yourself to someone and they say, well, you know, Sandra, what do you do? How do you, how do you introduce yourself? Are you focusing, Sandra? this is my title? Um, and the people that I serve versus this is the result that I get for folks. And part of it is learning how to practice it and say it in such a way that brings confidence. And so in the keynote, one of the things we have them do is something called brag your swag. And so the brag your swag is where, um, you take that inventory and for 30 seconds, I call it actually for 60 seconds, I call it 60 seconds of madness, and when you're in a group, because it feels maddening. Some people, they just do not like it. And I believe that success happens on the other side of comfort. And so jump into the discomfort and, you know, success will, will show, will eventually kind of show up. And so, um, during this activity, you have to talk about your successes, your wisdom, the activities that put you in flow, your gifts for 60 seconds. And what I find is people hate it. And I love every minute of it because we're taught to go the opposite. Like you can't talk about yourself. You can't talk about your achievements. No one can tout on you better than you can. And I think we have these extremes that happen, right? So you think of the um, the person who's so braggadocious and they just want to make you puke every time they open their mouth or the person who's super quiet and mousy in the corner and they can barely say their name. We don't have to be that person that shows um, that upward bravado. You can eloquently, elo- eloquently and elegantly talk about your achievements. But first is the first step is just getting accustomed to letting it come out of your mouth. And for a lot of, and and I say this to a lot, I speak to a lot of women's audiences. One of the first steps in even being able to kind of own your achievements and claim them is accepting a compliment. When yes. was the last time someone said to you, Hey, Sandra, I really like that blouse that you had on. And if you're anything like me, and this actually happened to me, this woman sees me in the airport and she said, Oh, I love your dress. And I said, Oh, this thing, I got it off the clearance or I get target. And she was like the correct response is thank you. <laughs> <That> sounds- <laughs> and she just took it. Even Siri was like, I'm not sure I understand, but she <laughs> that moment. And I was like, she kind of had me. I was like, thank you. But I thought about it. We don't even know how to accept compliments. So how can we go out and claim our achievements? It's hard. Yeah. And you know, Mimi,
0: one of the things I think when I I talk to a lot of women and I work with some elite athletes and then entrepreneurs and business leaders, right? And women, especially like, I think they don't own their swag as much as they can because they're nervous about being um, being, like arrogant or pushing people away. And what I just heard you say is that you can own your swag and not be arrogant, right? It's not about shouting your accomplishments off the rooftop, but instead just like, saying it with confidence and appreciating when people give you a compliment.
1: You can make a statement. Like I'm really excited that I just landed this big contract Um, and being able to share that. And one of the, actually the first steps that makes it easy to be able to brag your swag
0: is Mm -hmm. to actually
1: have a a group that you can do it with. So get a a brag partner. And it's someone that's a close friend or a colleague that you don't feel judged by And y'all do it once a week or once every couple of weeks. I do it with my mastermind. The very first thing we talk about are our wins. And we celebrate each other and we're high-fiving virtually and we're sending all kinds of emojis and hearts and getting geeked. Cause I know in that circle, I can fully be me and share my achievements. And then when I have to share it in front of other people, it gets that much easier.
0: I think about I have a a great friend named Katie, (laughs) where uh, every time I get together with her, she's like, tell me what are some awesome things that have happened, right? I think she loves just hearing about my business and speaking and things like that. And it always makes me feel great to be able to share that. So I I love what you're saying is like brag, have a brag partner or a brag group where you can, you know, people aren't jealous of each other, but you can just say, hey, here's what's something awesome that's that's happened for me.
1: Well, yeah, we, and I believe in abundance. So there's more than enough to go around. And so mm-hmm. the more we're able to lift each other up collectively, we just, we, we move, we, the world moves up. And interestingly enough, I've been, I've celebrated this year will be eight years. I've been in with, um, Shauna, uh, Shauna Suko and Kim Becking are part of our mastermind. And we have progressively supported each other. We've all moved our businesses. Lev- we've all leveled up and I owe a lot of my success to them. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. You are who you surround yourself with. Uh, mm-hmm. And so owning your swag, I want to, I'm, I'm curious, because we're going to talk a little bit about sales and just how do we have the mindset of sales. And I'm thinking about first connecting what we've been talking it so far about owning your swag and sales. What what have you seen is the importance of owning your swag? Because you know we sell, we sell every day, right? People might say, "Well, I'm I don't really sell anything," but we sell our ideas, we sell our leadership. You know, we're all in the business of the sales. So, how does this idea of owning your swag
1: impact our sales? One, so it's really about confidence. Uh, people buy you first before they buy the product or the service that you deliver. So, over the course of my career, between being a sales coach and also a sales training manager. I have sold everything from um, insurance uh, for your appliances to um, home warranties to drapery and even bras. I used to help give women the gift of a lift. So I had a bra business and uh, it didn't matter what I sold is. I really had to understand what were the pain points for those folks and being able to confidently a know my product, right? So know what I was selling and how it could help people, but also be able to relate to folks one-on-one. And that's really what it comes down to is what is my attitude about sales? Because a lot of people think sales is a dirty word. They're like, I want to be so, to your point, Sandra, you're selling every day, but how do you reframe it in such a way that you're serving people at a higher level? I knew if I got a woman in the right fit bra, it could change her life. And I'm not saying that, um, just kind of haphazardly, like literally she could look like she lost 10 pounds. It would give her more confidence when she went to work. It could give her more confidence in her relationships or in the dating scene and just made her feel better. But I knew I had to get over the barrier of how do I serve her in a way that really allows her to receive the that this gift of a lift?
0: Yeah, I love that. So it's not about sales it's about service and giving and how you can help others. What do you think are, you know, the sales blocks we experience and what would be the mindset shift that we need to, you know, really um, live and embody to be able to overcome those sales blocks?
1: Well, first and foremost, we're typically, the first sell is always to yourself. So hey, if you're not convinced of what you're selling, you're not clear on what it is, you don't understand the value of it, how can you sell it to someone else? And so it's uh, mm-hmm. understanding what, how we define sales in our own world. And one of the questions I've asked people on some of my programs is, when you think of a salesperson, how would you describe them? And the typical answer, syndrome is there, I think of a used car salesman or someone who's being dishonest or someone who's trying to get me to buy something that I don't need or I want. And so, okay, so let's take that and then how does that how does that mindset then relate to when you're in front of people trying to offer one of your services? Do you think you might project that a little bit because you have a, a poor perspective on what a salesperson looks like? What if you were to change your view of sales or even your view of what a, a true salesperson can do for you? And simply yeah. by making that shift, then I think that allows you to step into the um in, in, into a, a selling situation with more confidence. And from, from that place of service.
0: Yeah, that that's powerful because I think it's really about people's like limiting beliefs that might impact them. And if they have this idea or image in their mind, <clears throat> definitely how that can then impact behavior. At Absolutely.
1: And I, I remember when I was a sales coach and uh, we, I used to do what these call the side-by-side. So I would sit with reps who um, they were, they were selling after the end of a customer service call to get people to buy these appliance appliance, like an appliance service plan. And this one gal, she had done everything properly. Send her. she had gone through and made the offer, uh, you know, built the value overcame objections. And I'm like on the call with her, like, why isn't she asking for the sale? And so literally I take a piece of paper and I write, do you want to place this on a debit or a credit card? And I was like, read this. And she says, and the lady says, well, I was waiting for you to ask. (laughs) That's awesome. Right. But sometimes we put that on. Yeah. She just hadn't, she wasn't comfortable closing the deal. She had whatever issues or blocks that she had, which stopped her from being able to really serve this customer at a higher level. And one more thing when in that same environment, I remember I had a lady who, uh, this is when I was a rep. She had called in. And uh, he said, I heard somebody mention something about an appliance plan for my appliances, but she didn't seem very confident in it. Can you tell me more about that? And I was like, you got the best person. And I gave her like the whole rundown. And she said, and she bought whatever the top tier package was. And she said, you know, I have called in to the utility company for years and no one ever took the time to offer this to me. And I could have used this years ago. Right. Right yeah and I said shame on those reps who let their own personal beliefs or blocks get in the way of being able to serve that customer at a higher level.
0: I think about what we're what we're kind of focusing on and tell me if you agree with this is that you know the roadblocks to sales are more internal, right because our focus is on ourselves like what if they say no what if they if they they don't give me the credit card number what if they think I'm dumb what you know what if all these like future oriented thoughts instead of taking the focus off you and putting it on the person. How can this help the person? What does the person need? What are they struggling with? Right. And I also think that when I'm speaking, if I'm in my head, if I'm thinking about what what people are thinking about me, if the focus is on me, man, I just, I just stopped the connection. Right. And so what do you think about that? Um, Do you think that's a roadblock where people are more focused on themselves than the other person they're selling to? 100%
1: 100% because you're in your own. I'm not going to offer that to them. They're going to say, no, they don't want that. How do you know? You don't know unless you ask. You're making assumptions based on your own uh, preconceived ideas or experiences. And, and Cinder, what I really appreciate about what you said about before stepping on stage, whenever I've coached people with public speaking, I've said to them, typically, we are all going to have butterflies. The key is to you get your butterflies to fly in formation. And part of that is getting out of your head and when I'm nervous, I'm usually focused on me. How am I going to sound? Do I know yeah. all my content? How, does my, how is my suit or my dress fitting? Uh, I've gained a little bit of weight. Uh, I don't like this microphone. Uh, I mean, I come up with all these. And then I have to remind myself, this is not about you. Yes. You are, you are a vehicle to deliver this message. And that somebody in the audience needs to hear it in only the way that you can deliver it. And I get chills uh, Cinder, even as I say that, because it's a reminder and a check-in for me that it's not about me. I'm just that vehicle. I get the pleasure. God gave me this gift to be able to share this and share it in a way that people listen and and I can command their attention. But that message that day is supposed to land with them. And I think it's the same thing with sales: is you have a product or a service that can change someone's life that can help them improve it, make it better, reduce pain. But if you don't do your very best job of offering that to them, you're doing them a disservice and shame on you. Yeah,
0: that's so powerful. You know, I think to myself last week, I had several speaking engagements and the first two I was totally myself and I wasn't nervous at all. You know, it was really cool. And then the third one, for some reason, I got in my head right before it. You know, it's like, they're probably not going to know. And it was in Wisconsin, right? So it was kind of funny because the whole Packer Vikings thing, we played up and all that kind of stuff. But all of a sudden, right before I got in my head and I started focusing on myself and I had to take a step back and say, you're right, this is not about me. I am not here for me. I'm here to inspire others. And it was much easier to deliver my talk, right? Then if I'm in my head wondering what they think about me, because I can't control that. Nope. No, no. Um, so as we continue to talk about sales, I know you talk about kind of the, the single most important question that we have to ask when a client reaches out to us. What is that single most important question?
1: Well, it's kind of a twofer. One is, uh, what made you call me today? Because one of the things that people have a misconception on, or what made you reach out to me today? Mm-hmm. Uh, misconceptions that people have is that the best salespersons have the gift of gab. And I disagree. I think the best salespersons are the folks who are good listeners and can ask great questions. And so if you are, if you are in a sales situation with someone and you're talking more than they are, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Absolutely be. um, And not that it needs to be this rapid fire. You're doing this like intense interview with them. But you wanna have this volley that happens back and forth where you're really understanding and getting to the root of their issue. And so, the first question, you know, what made you reach out to me today? And my other favorite is what's frustrating you about X situation? Because frustration as a word or as a phrase for some people will, it creates a visceral reaction. You're like, yes, I can tell you exactly what's frustrating me right now. And cause I, I've heard people say, Oh, what keeps you up at night? Well, I might sleep like a baby. I might not, I'm sleeping. I don't know what that's not keeping me up. I might sleep great. But if I ask you what's really frustrating you about X to me, that starts to really garner that, that visceral reaction and will get people talking and that emotion moving and people will buy. And I'm, I'm you know, you've heard the adage, um, people will buy based on emotion. And then, uh, they will, um, uh, I'm lost at that. I speak for a living, Sandra. They will (laughs) based on emotion and rationalize with logic.
0: Yeah, that's so true. I love those two questions. What made you reach out and what's frustrating you about blank situation? A couple of years ago, I had, um, a, a potential client reach out to me to do executive coaching and she had interviewed like five other executive coaches and she chose me which is really cool. And afterwards, like when she said, Hey, I want to start working with you, Syndra," I asked her, like, why did she choose me over these other coaches? And she said, "Syndra, you're the only one that um, spent time just listening to me. And you know, you had 25 minutes where you just listened to me and then five minutes where you talked about what, like how you do what you do. Whereas the other coaches maybe listened to her for five minutes and then spent the majority of time talking about themselves. And it, it I didn't even realize necessarily at the time that that's what I was doing, you know, uh, but it made me just really, I guess I would say I agree with what you said and it works in my world a lot, right? Where you just like listen um, and it helps you tremendously to be able to understand what the other person is
1: saying. And I have to leave reminders, like when I'm in discovery calls with potential clients, like yesterday I had a, I, um, landed an engagement and I think we were on the phone for 45 minutes. I think she talked probably 35 of them. And that's still more, I think I still talked more than I probably needed to because people <laughs> talk themselves into working with you typically. And here's the other thing. When you look at a lot of the marketing data, like by the time if you get someone on the phone or they've done outreach, they've done their homework. They figured it out. They're just looking for you to validate where they already are. And part of that validation is they just want to talk through it. People, you know, Oprah said one of the most profound things. She said, I don't care what walk of life you come from, everyone wants to feel valued, appreciated, and heard. And if you can make people feel heard, then they will they will bend over backwards and, and do things with and do things with you and for you and to work with you. Um, but it's simply learning how to be quiet and being present.
0: Yeah, love that. So powerful, valued, appreciated, and heard. And you have um, five keys to overcoming the toughest sales objections. What tell us about those keys?
1: Yeah. So uh, part of understanding overcoming sales objections is to be clear on what they are and to practice them. Um, and people buy for your reasons. They don't buy for. They buy for their own reasons. They don't buy for your reasons. And so when you're really understanding, it's 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 doing a kind of a scope of what are the things that you're hearing from folks that stop them from buying from you? Is it price? Um, Typically when people give you objections, that means you haven't given me enough information to make a decision yet. And when you're going through that objection conversation, it's not to combat the objection. It's actually to pull it out. And if you're smart enough, you know, and understand in your industry and your product, What are the objections that you're going to hear? And you head them off at the pass. So even when you're having a conversation, you throw that objection out there even before it becomes an issue. And then my question is, once I make them through, you know, I hear the objection that, yep, that can definitely be a challenge. Tell me more about that. Tell me about why that's a challenge for you. What if I was able to overcome or, you know, what if we were able to take care of that issue for you? You know, would you be ready to move forward and being confident enough to move them in that direction? And it's always easier to get people to move from yes to yes versus no to yes. So if you get them in agreement with you and just what I'm doing with you right now, Sandra, even body language, starting to head nod, using positive gestures, getting um, asking questions that already lead to yes, that you already know the answer to. Right. That helps move people um, forward towards, uh, overcoming those objections.
0: And so what are, what have you found or like some of the key objections people have? Cause as I'm trying to think about my world, like what do, what do, what do people say of why they don't want to move forward? Is it typically price time? Yeah, what would price. maybe be
1: some others? It's time. It's, um, I got to go talk to my spouse. We call that cow can't operate without spouse, but especially <laughs> depending on the, um, the, uh, the amount of, uh, how much money the ticket item costs, right? Usually the higher the price item, usually the longer the sales cycle might be and the, the quicker the decision. And the other piece is, have you already properly qualified people? even before you get in the the sales conversation. And so it'll save you time by ensuring that in every qualification looks different for every product or service that you have. But if you, there's a certain like in your line of of work, Sandra, with coaching, um, you know, that if they're an executive and they're um, uh, in the C-suite, that already probably is a qualification because you know, they probably have the money to be able to pay you for it. Have they been in their position long? Is it, do they have money um, allocated for um, uh, uh, professional development? Like what is all, yeah. what is all that like?
0: Yeah, yeah, super helpful. I think that's helpful for people as they're just thinking about their own line of work. And it's like, okay, what are typically the objections and how do we overcome them?
1: Um, what What's something we need to stop doing to close more deals? Um, we need to stop, not this is going to sound weird but not asking for the sale right and we I like to call it a preemptive close where you're getting them into agreement earlier on and you're saying things like so if we were to if we if you were if we were to move forward what would be the objection that would get in the way or you know are you ready to move forward with x y and z because sometimes we talk ourselves out of the sale um, yeah. And we'll talk way too much even before we're at that point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So just being straightforward and saying, um, are you ready to move forward with blank? Or yep. if we were going to move forward, what would be some of the objections? I think you're right. Like the example that you gave us of the woman that you worked with, right, who just you had to put up the sign like she she didn't even think about asking, Are you, you know, would you like to put this on a debit or a credit card, you know, um, that she was hesitant for some for for some reason. So mm -hmm. I know you also in your keynote talk about like the deciding factor that trumps price and how we can master it. What what might that deciding factor be?
1: It's all about value. So um, when you have value, um. When you did you just matches. get some flowers delivered? I did. So my, oh my gosh. dad just came down and he sent me and he's like, "Are you at home?" And I'm like, "I'm trying to record a podcast." But wouldn't that sweet? And these are my very <laughs> favorite. So stargazer Lily. lilies. Thank you, Dad. Oh, right. dad what just delivered flowers. Oh, That's awesome. Yeah. And I'm, try- I'm trying not to like say anything,
0: but I'm like, yeah. I think you should just say so. we should just own that that just happened. Mimi just yes. got flowers delivered. Yeah, oh, sweet. <laughs> oh, that's man. awesome. Just, just for or is there just something because. you're celebrating well, or just so because? So I just
1: had a birthday, and uh, I celebrate yes. my birthday like my mother the whole month. And so, uh, yeah. So now I got, I have flowers. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do that. Right? You should do it, Sandra. I give you, you permission to celebrate your birthday
0: for the whole month. My husband's um birthday is in the same month, so I guess I could just say okay, we're going to celebrate it all month, all November. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Um okay, we are talking about value and we are talking about the deciding the deciding factor that Trump's price, right? And we're saying value. Tell us about how we can really uncover the own our own value that we're
1: providing. Well, and it reminds me of an experience I had in a grocery store. I don't know why all of my stories go in a grocery store. I think I I got a weight problem. I can't wait to eat, so maybe it's something with that. But there I am. I'm in the um, I'm in the grocery store, and there's this these two groups of oranges. And there's one orange is like 50 cents a pound. The other orange is like $1.50 a pound. And I'm like, and this woman is like picking up these $1.50 oranges. Like they're about to go out of style. And so I yeah. asked her, I said, um, now from the look of it, these oranges look the same. And I said, well, can you explain to me like why you're, you know, getting these oranges or, or like, you know, stockpiling these oranges? And she said, oh, well, these oranges are organic they don't, um, they don't, uh, they have a, a sweeter taste to them. They were grown, um, in a special like, uh, uh um, what do they call that? Uh, greenhouse. Um, uh, okay. they don't use pesticides. She said, this is a really quality orange and it's going to last a lot longer and fresher in your refrigerator. She said, these, these were made, you know, the place down the street, they go moldy a lot faster. I mean, you could buy it and it would be okay, but, Um, I don't think you're really going to love it. And the difference is when all things being equal, when you look at them, they look essentially like the same orange, but when you understand that you're not now, even though they're the same orange, you're not, it's like comparing apples to oranges. You want your product or service to go so far above where people are like, they're not even in the same stratosphere. And Mm. so when you're communicating that, what differentiates you, what sets you apart? I love it.
0: What differentiates you? What sets you apart? Where is your value? And I like, I love the orange analogy. I think we can all imagine being in the grocery store.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're like, Me- this, this tastes delicious. I mean, this they look the same, but you know, what, what sets you apart?
0: What have I not asked you about sales that people listening would need to know?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say when it comes to, the number one thing is something my grandmother taught me when I had a lemonade stand when I was eight years old is that people are always buying you first and how you project and portray yourself makes all the difference in them being able to buy your product or your service. And so how are you presenting yourself? Um, How are you showcasing? That's part of the swag piece, right? Do you have confidence And what you're selling? Do you have confidence in what you're delivering? It's like that woman who called me who said, hey, this other lady mentioned this program, but she didn't sound very confident. Can you tell me more about it? And people buy that. Um, And so it's, it's I guess the other piece or the other side of that is it's part of, it's a numbers game. It's um, understanding and being okay with rejection because it might not be the right fit or product or service right now, And I always like to say no means on to the next, right? So I just flip that Mm. and I'm moving on to the next person.
0: I love that. No means on to the next. I think the psychology of that is like, you know, having a short-term memory when things don't go great and a long-term memory when they do. And when you think about sales, being able to move on really quickly, that fast is key. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Mimi, you provided us so much value today. I love talking to you. Uh, So I'm just so grateful that you joined us. I love your swag acronym. And I'm going to encourage people to write down what your success is, your wisdoms, activities that give you flow. What are your natural gifts was the G. We talked about the joy meter, how people buy you first. No means on to the next. Uh, We also talked about like having somebody you can brag with, a group you can brag with, um, your brag partners or a friend you can brag with to, to help you celebrate your successes. And then towards the end, we are talking about um, the questions you should ask right away listening more than speaking so you can really understand the person and what they really want and the, the keys to like understanding your own or their objections and how can you work through those so Mimi how can people find out more about um, your keynoting and your work and just tell us how people can work
1: with you Love that. So AmpUpSuccess.com is the website. And then I'm on all the social platforms. So Twitter, or excuse me, X, uh, Facebook, Instagram, I think I even got a TikTok page now at Hey Mimi Brown. So Hey, Mimi Brown. And that's where you can find me. So reach out and say hello. Awesome. And so success.
0: is there any uh, final advice you give to people who are listening to help them own their swag and just be their best more often?
1: Yeah. um, Part of your swag is, well, it goes back to what we talked about earlier. When you step into authentically who you are, you give other people permission to to do the same. And so showcase that, let the world see it because we need more of that positivity and that juiciness that makes you whoever you are. Mic drop. (laughs) Thank you, Mimi. You're the best. Thank you, Sandra. It's a pleasure.